Amen. Does it feel like Christmas yet? I think it's starting to feel like Christmas. Singing, singing Christmas songs and uh, seeing the decorations. Don't the decorations look beautiful today as well? Yes. Thank you for everyone who put in the time and the effort to do that. Um, we are moving on from Daniel. Um, I, uh, I'm grateful to, to Mitch, who preached last week. So thank you, Mitch. For, I, as you can tell, I, yes. As you can tell, I gave Mitch the hard, the hard passage that he got to preach. Um, but no, uh, we didn't quite finish Daniel. The, the, the original intent was to get through all 12 chapters, but that wasn't going to happen before Advent. Um, but I do want to do something a little different for Advent. We're going to jump into John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it'll be on the screen, there's a Bible there. We took it out of the bulletin because we figured you got your Bible, and you got it on the screen, um, and you're going to hear it, so we just left one more room for notes in your bulletin. There's an outline in your bulletin, but um, actually I think Daniel is a pretty good transition to John, uh, because Daniel is all about the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of all history, and John 1 talks about that climax of history, that time in which God sent His Son into this world to be with us, that God is with us. The fulfillment of much of what was said in Daniel comes right here in John chapter 1. That Jesus is Emmanuel. Uh, in, In Isaiah 7, it says that the Lord will himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You say, I thought his name was Jesus, right? Uh, People didn't necessarily call Jesus Emmanuel as a formal name, but the word, the name Emmanuel means God with us. And that is exactly how we refer to Jesus, as God with us, God who is present with us. Uh, That Jesus entered our world, that God entered our world, not just spiritually, of course God is already in our world, but actually physically (laughs) in our world, in the person of his son, Jesus. Why does this matter? Why is this the, the heart of our faith? Uh, why do we make such a, a big deal about it? Because Jesus came to show us God so that we could know him. He came to model for us what true humanity, true love looks like. And he came, most importantly, to rescue us and to save us. Look at John chapter 1. We're going to be in this for a little while. So we're only going to get to verse 13 this morning. Uh, But you can look on with me on screen if you'd like. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him not anything made was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is God with us. 
God with us. And we're going to look at four different things here. If you look at in your, outla- uh, your bulletin again, if you want to see an outline. But first, Jesus is the Word of God. Verses 1 through 3. He's the Word of God. And when you think about what John is saying, so John the Gospel writer, one of the 12 apostles, when you think about the fact that he knew Jesus personally, that he actually walked with Jesus for three years, ate with Jesus, and sat with Jesus, talked with Jesus, had all these conversations with him, knew him as a friend, that he would still describe Jesus in this way, as divine, as we're going to see, is pretty amazing. In fact, interestingly enough, uh, after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, uh, what would you guess would be the first heresy? Uh, The first heresy you might guess would be that people thought he was just a man. Actually, no, the, the first heresy was that people thought he was just God, and he wasn't even a man at all. That he just sort of, God just sort of appeared in some figure in Jesus, because he was so remarkable in the miracles that he actually performed. But he starts off his uh, gospel with, in the beginning. In the beginning. And if you know your Bibles well, you know that. That should bring your mind to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Well, here it's, in the beginning was the Word. So he's making a comparison here. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke it into existence. Well, here's the Word of God, the Logos of God. Now, this is where it probably got a little confusing for you, I would guess. But he describes the Logos, the Word, as with God, and yet he also was God. <laughs> How can you be with someone and also be that someone, right? It doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense. And this is the sort of mystery that they're wrestling with when it came to Jesus. And he even goes on to say, all things were made through him. So he is the creator of everything. This word of God is the creator of everything. And that as he relates to us, Jesus is the word. He's the revelation of God. He's God's way of speaking to us. So it really leaves us the question, who is this Jesus we're talking about and that we celebrate on Christmas? Well, all throughout the Old Testament, it it describes the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord comes to the people. I think that's what he's getting at here. That God, as he reveals himself to us, he does so through the word of the Lord. And now he's saying, this word of the Lord, that's been with God from the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, You see sort of this figure, for lack of a better way to put it, in the Old Testament in different ways. The word of the Lord, the wisdom of God, the angel of the Lord, which really just means the messenger of the Lord, um, the son of man on the clouds, as we saw in Daniel. And you have to keep asking yourself as you read all throughout Israel's history, who is this figure that keeps coming up again and again? Well, John is telling us right here in chapter 1, this logos, this word, is Jesus. Of course, the theologians have wrestled with this for centuries and centuries, and basically they, they've come up with this, the doctrine of the Trinity, the idea that there is only one God, and that is a sort of an axiomatic truth about the Christian faith, there's only one God, but there are three persons, three persons in this one God, the Father and the Son, but also the Holy Spirit. That Jesus didn't begin 2,000 years ago, that something that on 2,000 years ago, something else happened. The word of the Lord was incarnated. As it says in verse 14, which we'll get to next week, Lord willing, put on flesh and walked among us. That in a sense, friends, the, the author entered his own story. That the creator entered into creation. That the almighty God 
became like one of us. This is, the mis- this is why Christmas is a big deal. <laughs> this is why we need four weeks to lead up to it, friends. What happened on Christmas is stunning. Uh, I, 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 those who hear me preaching, you know, I re- reference Tolkien probably too much. He's one of my favorite authors, Lord of the Rings, right? So Col- Tolkien was big about this. He talked about sub-creation. We're created, and therefore we have a desire to create things. And so he created this whole world of where the Lord of the Rings takes place, right? But imagine all of a sudden you got all these uh, beasts, you know, you got Smog the dragon, or you got whatever you want to say, these orcs and these... Uh, all these different things. And then all of a sudden, there's a guy named Tolkien walking around in a story. <laughs> That's kind of what's happening here. All of a sudden, the author himself is now in the story. That The creator of everything has now entered into the very picture of creation. He's with us. Now, why does this matter? Why does that matter? Well, one, because it shows us that God wants to be known. God wants us to know him. In fact, God is willing to go through to great lengths in order to make himself known so that we would know him. Uh, if God didn't want to be known, we would not know him, all right? So we don't, people, you know, you can't study God like uh, you would study a science. You know, you can't put him under a microscope. Uh, you can't sort of uh, look at evidence in a, in a test tube for God. It doesn't quite work like that. He's the superior and we're the inferior in relationship. So our little three-pound brains cannot sort of figure out God on our own. That's not how it works. If God does not want to be known, he will not be known. That's his will and his, his per- he can do whatever he wants. But God, we see here in Je- uh, John chapter 1, God wants us to know him. He wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know his grace and his love. He wants us to know what he's done for us, particularly in his son. He wants us to be in relationship with him. We'll get to that in a little while later. More than that, who is Jesus then? Uh, why does this matter? Jesus shows us what human beings were meant to be. Uh, this is why we were created. We were created to be the image of God, to reflect who God is. Well, Jesus lives a sinless and perfect life to show us what human beings really are. We were meant to love with true love and self-sacrificial love. We are meant to care about the poor and those who are hurting. We were meant to even lay down our lives to save others. He shows us true humanity as we were created for. And most importantly, why does this matter? Because we needed a rescuer. We needed someone to save us. We were stuck in our darkness and sin. And this task was too big for us. We weren't getting out of this on our own. We were not going to overcome our sin problem by ourselves. It was not going to happen. This was a a God-sized task that needed God himself to fix. And yet, man, it was man's problem. And so what does God do? He gives us Jesus, who is both God and man. This is too big for us, friends. We couldn't do this. We can do a lot, right? Uh, We can handle a lot. I can handle baking cookies for a cook-off with a professional chef. These are all things I've done, by the way. So I've done that, and I won. Well, I didn't win, actually, I lost. But the professional chef liked my cookies, and he's sitting in this room, so. I can handle overseeing a group of 20-something teenagers on a retreat to New York City. Done that one, too. All right, so I, I think all of them came back. At least, I think so, yeah. So I can handle that. I can handle organizing a preaching course in a foreign country through a translator. I can do that. Uh, What we don't even have come close to being able to do is to redeem ourselves. For that, we needed a rescuer. And we learn in John 1, that's exactly what God has sent us in Jesus. The word of the Lord, God's revelation of himself came to us as the word took on flesh. 
Jesus is the word of God, 4 through 9. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. In him, he says, was life. So here's the word of the Lord who has life, has human life. He's actually living and eating and breathing and walking among us. But that life was the light of men. He switches the image now from being the word of the Lord to being the light of the world. So those two different images to try to explain who this Jesus is. In him was life and that light is the, that life is the light. And that light, he says, shines into our darkness. <laughs> it shines into our world with all of its problems and its sin and its ignorance of God and so forth. That light comes in and it says the, that darkness was not able to overcome the light. In the end, the light wins. Uh, he mentions here John the Baptist. Uh, that's, that, just to make it more confusing for you, that's not the author of this gospel. So John wrote this gospel, not John the Baptist. Another John, very common name. Um, John, uh, the gospel writer says, there was a man named John, who was John the Baptist, and he was not the Messiah. He was not this Savior, uh, probably because some people believed he was. Actually, we read right into the book of Acts, there's a whole sort of cult following of John the Baptist, of people think, who think he was the Messiah, right? Even after the resurrection. Uh, he's saying, no, John wasn't that guy, but he was a witness to him. Uh, he was one who came for the very purpose of testifying to us that the light had come into the world. Uh, the true light was coming after, and that true light, of course, was and is Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, God is in the manger, wealth in poverty, Light in darkness, succor and abandonment. The very presence of God, the light of the world with us. There's a good reason why he uses this image of light and dark. Uh, for one, it's creation. What's the very first thing that God creates? He creates light into our world. Light is an amazing thing. Light is mysterious. Um, I've talked about this before, but light is a particle and a wave, right? For you science folks. Uh, how can it be a particle and a wave? How can it be something that's like creative matter, particle? And yet a wave, like radio waves, and one at the same time. I don't know. It's a mystery. In fact, it's, it's still sort of mysterious how it can be both. Light is the fastest thing in the universe. Um, probably the fastest thing we'll ever have in this universe. Are you Star Trek fans? I don't think we're going to go warp three or four. It's probably going to be speed of light is the fastest thing in the universe. Uh, stars, of course, uh, radiate throughout millions and uh, billions and billions of miles uh, away, of light years away, and they re- we get the light all the way from them. And then light actually creates or sustains life on our planet. Think about that. We have photosynthesis. Plants need light in order to survive. Light is a pretty amazing thing. Our eyes depend upon it. We can't see anything without it, right? Without light, we're blind. Uh, it, darkness is just the absence of any light. Most of our light comes from the sun, um, but we can have light in all different ways. It reveals to us what is around us. So in the same sense, friends, Jesus is a spiritual light into our spiritual darkness. That's the image. That he reveals to us God. He reveals to us this world around us and who God is and what he's come to do. Jesus, in a sense, sheds light on spiritual things that we would have no idea, no understanding of without him. Uh, Friends, without Jesus, we would simply be groping in the dark, trying to understand God. We know, I think, even without Jesus, I think most people know that we are, we're more than just cells. We're more than just matter. We're Right? There's things that, that are beyond us, like music. You know, if you listen to music, you realize there's got to be something more beyond merely animals and matter. You see art, so when you experience love, when you understand good and evil, something's beyond just the, the typical matter and 
naturalism and nothing more than that. We know that religions, in some sense, hit on something important. Right? So, something, they're, they're pointing to something beyond just this natural world. There's something greater than us. And that's why religion is basically common in every culture in the whole world. All different types of religions that, with various different beliefs, don't get me wrong. But all of them still say there's something beyond this natural world to look to. They're, it's a groping, in a sense, in the darkness. I was interesting, I went, when I did a mission trip to Nepal, um, I did study a little bit about Hinduism. And uh, just to understand it, because it's like 90-something percent Hindu, um, I actually literally bought Hinduism for Dummies. And I read that, some of that on the plane to try to understand it. And I was fascinated by the little bit. If anyone knows more about it than me, anyone knows anything about it, you'll probably know more about it than me. But I was surprised to read this, that, in the, that Hinduism believes that there is ultimately one superior being. So yes, you have millions and millions of gods, but there's one superior being. And that superior being has three separate persons. <laughs> one of them being the creator, Brahma. Another being the sort of power and presence, Vishnu. And then the other being the destroyer or the judge, Shiva. A Shiva. I thought, wow, well, look at the echoes of creation, even in another part of the world, in a totally different religion. Well, I think, friends, in a sense, Jesus pulls it all together for us. He makes sense of it all. <laughs> He, he, he flips the switch and turns the light on so that we can know who God truly is and what he has come to do for us to make us his own. We'll see that in 12 to 13. But before we get there, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. That Jesus is not received by all. He's not received by all. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Now think about that, friends. He, he was in the world. This is the word of God. This is the, the light of the world in the world that he made. Uh, he, he's made up of, his body is made up of cells that he created. <laughs> he, he's breathing air, you know, oxygen and carbon dioxide uh, that he made. <laughs> I, this, is, this is a mystery beyond us, friends. In the very world that he made. And yet he says, yet the world did not know him. For the most part, the world did not receive him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, who were his own people? Uh, you can interpret all different ways. Uh, there's some would say it's referring to Nazareth, his own people, meaning his very own small town. Uh, his own people, meaning, maybe, meaning Israel. Uh, he came to Israel, or maybe his own people, meaning human beings in general, all throughout the world. Regardless of how you interpret it, same thing is being said. For the most part, his own did not receive him. Not all receive Jesus as who he is. I probably this is the most self-evident thing I'm going to say in the sermon. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. You look around the world, you know that not all believe. At the best estimate, one-third of the world claims Christian faith. And that's, that's in the, the broadest possible way to define Christianity. Uh, like Austria is a Christian country, so they count everybody in Austria. Well, that's probably being a little too generous. But if you counted as many people as at least claim Christianity, that's only one-third. Many reject him. And that's true throughout history. His own hometown, uh, Jesus himself said about Nazareth, a prophet is never accepted in his own hometown. Uh, the Roman Empire, for the most part, was anti-Christian for much of it. The whole world, uh, throughout history, many, many have rejected him as the Savior. Some don't recognize him to be the light. 
Some do recognize him to be the light and they scatter and hide because it shows in their sin. Well, what can we do about this? Uh, First, know it. Just know it and let it sink in. Not everyone is going to believe. Not everyone is going to agree with you about Jesus, for those here who are Christians, who believe in Jesus. Uh, What do you do with those who disagree with you? You disagree with love. You disagree with love. I I find it amazing how Christians can be so argumentative and nasty. Uh, We should know this. The the Bible already tells us. People are not going to agree with you. (laughs) It's just going to happen. So what do you do? You disagree with love. And you recognize that to be the case. One great advice I got way back in college, uh, a professor said, stay at the table. Not everybody's going to agree with you, but stay at the table. Don't go storming off. Continue with conversation. Continue to learn. Continue to be open-minded and listening. Not everyone's going to agree. That's just the world we live in. What do you also need to do? Pray and wait on God. Pray and wait on God. Um, God can do anything. Uh, God can bring anyone from any situation back to himself. Imagine somebody meeting you before you were a Christian. What would they have thought of you? In the same sense, friends, you're meeting people who don't believe in Jesus yet. And you never know what's going to happen. So you pray and you wait on God. Imagine meeting Billy Graham before he became a Christian. It would be very different than meeting him afterwards. Uh, Very different. Pray and wait on God. And then just keep sharing the good news for those who want to hear it. Keep loving people, keep caring about people, and keep trying to reach people for Jesus. I, you, you would probably say something similar to this. For me, I had to hear the gospel many times before I believed it. Uh, the first few times I heard it, I had no interest in hearing it. So it was not my... I said, uh, it was my older brother who began to share the good news with me. And my first reaction was, I have no interest in this. Why are you talking to me about this? <laughs> uh, my interest is, is basketball golf and girls. That's all I care about. I don't care about God and Jesus right now. But he persisted and he persisted and then he was able finally to to reach me. So God's grace in time. Just keep sharing, being patient. Not all will receive him. And then finally, 12 to 13, our final point here. Jesus makes us children of God. This is an amazing passage. But to those who did receive him. So he's clearly not saying everybody is going to reject him. There are going to be some. Obviously, the author, the author of this gospel, John, is a believer himself. Those who do receive him, as he says here, who believe in his name. Uh, and I think those are the same things. To receive Christ is to, in a sense, receive him as the Lord of your life. Uh, to receive him as your Savior. Uh, the pronouns are so important here. He's not just the Savior. He's your Savior. <laughs> he's not just some general uh, Savior. He has become your personal Savior. Savior, look to him for forgiveness of your sins. Those who believed in his name. To believe in something, friends, is to put your trust in it. I like to use this airplane analogy. Um, If you believe in an airplane, that an airplane will fly safely. If you trust that that airplane will fly safely, you'll get on board and fly in it. (laughs) That's the difference between, that's what faith is. Faith means you're willing to actually get onto the plane. Not just that you have a theoretical understanding that airplanes, yes, can fly, uh, but that you're willing to actually put your trust in it and fly it. When we say that we put our faith in Christ, we believe in His name, it's not just to believe that there is a God. Um, A lot of people believe there is a God. That's just an intellectual thing. Yeah, there must have been a God. Uh, It makes sense. Uh, That's a good start. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the same as faith. What he's talking about here is to put your trust in Him, to look to Him as your Savior your Lord. 
But for those who do this, who receive him, who believe in his name, he says, he gives them the right. And that word right, Greek exousia, it means authority. It means power. Uh, those who uh, believe in his name are given the right, the power, the authority to become children of God. You know, friends, when you adopt somebody, uh, this was true in first century Roman Empire, it's true today too, I think. Uh, but if you adopt somebody, that child has the full, complete legal rights as a birth child. Even in the first century, it was against the law to discriminate against an adopted child compared to your own birth children in terms of inheritances and all, all that kind of stuff. Now, when he says that those who believe are given the right, the authority as his children, he means God will look at you as his very own, as if you were Jesus himself, as we are clothed in him. Just to clarify even more, so he says, not, not those who are born of blood or the will of the flesh. So you're not going to be able to go on Ancestry.com and send in a blood sample and find God in the picture. It's not going to work that way, all right? So it's not what he's saying here. The will of the flesh, you can kind of use your imagination because we think we have some kids here. But this isn't something that a husband chose to create um, or a wife or anything like that. Not the normal means, but born of God. Born uniquely and spiritually of God. Now, some of you guys might be saying, aren't we all children of God? I mean, I thought we were already children of God. What does he mean that you can now become a child of God? Well, yes, there is a very general sense in which as God is the creator of everything, he is the father of all. So there is a general sense in which that is true. Uh, Acts 17 talks about this. Uh, The uh, Apostle Paul uh, describes it. He says, for we are indeed all his Offspring, uh, actually, he's quoting a, a Greek mythology there and saying and referring, which originally referred to Zeus. Interestingly enough, he applies it to God the Father and says, Yes, we are in a sense all his offspring. We're all uh, his creation. Uh, even in a sense, the animals are his children because he created everything. That's the general sense yeah, in, uh, in which all are his children. But what he's talking about here is something different, something more intimate, uh, a personal relationship with God as Father. That we can know him intimately even as you would know your own parent. And that relationship only comes through faith in Jesus. See, friends, it's one thing. For all of us, God is creator. And it's an amazing thing to know him as creator. And God is king who rules over all that is. And he's the judge who in in the end will judge the living and the dead. But it's very different to know him as father. Actually, Jesus' way of referring to God is striking. Uh, in his life, he referred to God the Father as Abba, which isn't even just the, the, the more formal term for, for a father. It's the, the less formal, it's the more informal, the more casual way in which you would refer to a father, similar to dad. He's the only example I think we find uh, in all of Scripture, uh, even throughout the Old Testament, you don't see any reference to God as Abba. I have an Israeli brother-in-law, um, and I asked him, I said, do, you, you ever, do Israelis ever refer to God as Abba? And he just gave me this puzzled look. He said, no, no, we don't refer to God as Abba. I'm Abba to my son, my, da- my daughter. We don't refer to God as Abba. But Jesus did, and he says, for those who believe in his name, John tells us, that's the relationship we have with the Father. 
to receive him, to believe in his name, is to become his own. You know, one of the things, uh, uh, I watch YouTube, everybody watches, well, a lot of people watch YouTube, right? One of the things I think is, it's, it, it will, will bring you to tears, all right? So some people are brought to tears for, you know, when the, when the, the people from the military come home and that, you know, that, that brings you to tears. But one of the things is this whole thing going on about adult adoption. Have you seen any of these videos? These adult adoption videos. So, but one of my favorite ones is an old man, kind of crusty old man, and his uh, stepdaughter gives him this gift. And you can look it up after church if you want, but he opens it, he's looking in, he's making all these jokes about this gift, and there's a pen in there, and he goes, look, you got me a pen for Christmas, I'm so excited, and he's just teasing her, and, and then he pulls out these papers, he goes, what is this? You gave me some papers. And he begins to read the papers, and it says, it's, they're the legal papers for his daughter, stepdaughter, uh, requesting that he would adopt her as his own. And here's this grown man who just is brought to complete mush <laughs> in tears. And she said, well, you've been my dad all along, but I want you to be legally my dad. And he embraces her and gives her a huge hug. And I think that's, in a sense, what he's getting at here. <laughs> God wants us to have more than just a creator-creation relationship. He welcomes us as his children who are adopted as his own. The authority, the right, the power to be children of God. Where are you today? Where are you today? Maybe you are already a child of God. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know God as Abba. You know God as your Father. And I would just say this Christmas, let it be a reminder to you to worship Him, to thank Him, and to go deeper in that relationship with Him. For some of you, maybe you're not sure. Uh, you're a, a seeker in a sense. You, you, you want more, but this is where you're at right now. And, um, Christmas reminds us that He came to you. As I said, God wants to be known. If He didn't want to be known, nobody would know Him. It's that simple. But He wants to reveal Himself. And more than that, He wants something more in relationship with you. And thirdly, perhaps you're here and you just don't believe. Maybe you recognize that God is Father in this general sense, as Creator. Friends, do you want more than that? Because God does. And He welcomes you to Himself. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's the Word of God as God reveals Himself to us. He's the light of the world. He brings, He steps into our spiritual darkness, our spiritual emptiness, and He brings light to us. Thomas Merton said, Into this world, this demented inn, in which there is absolutely no room for Him at all, comes Christ uninvited. Not all will receive Him. And for those who do, He makes us children. He is God with us. And if God is with us, friends, He's going to transform us. If he is with us, he's going to save us and rescue us, and he's going to transform us as his very own. Uh, You're never alone, friends. He's with us. Uh, If you're lonely, and this is a time in which people get lonely as we approach Christmas, as you look at lost loved ones, um, as your maybe children are miles and miles away, and grandkids are busy with school and everything else, if you're filled with worry and fear and anxiety, or you're grieving, as I mentioned earlier, we've had a number of different uh, people pass away related to our church, or you feel spiritually stuck where you're at right now, or maybe you're bitter, 
You're angry at something or someone. Something's going on there. Or you've just grown apathetic. You know, you've lost any love for God or any real feeling or passion about it. Or you're just feeling lost. Christmas is a reminder to us that the Savior has come to us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be in relationship with himself. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Pray with me. Well, our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you so much for John 1 in particular, showing us again your desire to know us and for us to know you. I pray, Father, for anyone here perhaps who is still seeking and searching and so grateful that they would take some time to be with us this morning. Perhaps you would be showing yourself to them more and more. Help them to see that you, as Abba, as Father, have your arms wide open and welcoming them to yourself. And for us who do know you, Lord, who are enjoying this relationship with you, help us to know that you are with us. You are with us physically in the person of Jesus when he came and lived among us, but you are with us now by your spirit to the end of the age until Christ returns. Help us, Lord, therefore, to recognize this, whatever struggles we may be facing, whether that's fear or loneliness or bitterness or apathy, whatever it is, to recognize that you are with us, Lord. And Christmas is just one more reminder of your great kindness and love for us. Bring our hearts to worship, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.